they say can be done. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm too young for this shit. Hello and welcome to another episode of Too Young for This Hit, the podcast where I, Tyler Thornton, watch movies I've never seen before with guests who love them. Um, today's guest, you may be familiar with him from his Doom 2 mod, Rendium Satakawa, which I'm probably saying wrong, and he'll correct <laughs> me in a minute if I am. Um, he bears a striking resemblance to the Fonz. It's uh, Arjuna Gonzalez. Hey! Thanks for having <laughs> me on! And it's... Well, okay. The lore is that nobody knows how to pronounce the name of the island because it was made by some elder god in the long, long ago, but the way I pronounce it is Sayatakwa. Sayataqua. It's like a It's a mix-up of different um, Indian names for places in New England because that's where the mod takes place. Anyway, yes, thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you. It's um cool to finally hear your voice. Been talking to you on Twitter for a while. <laughs> yeah. And uh, me cool. and Evan were debating um, on that little bit of a snip I had you in on the first episode if you were <laughs> using like some kind of like filter or something. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, um, I actually am. <laughs> but yep. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, Calling in from cyberspace, that's what it does to you. <laughs> so um, before getting into the movie, I was going to talk to you about um, your two games you just re- worked on and released from the Wine Jam. Um, yes. Yeah, so I by the time this comes out, that'll probably have been like uh, two months ago. Uh, four or five. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's been a week uh, as we're recording, but yeah. So yeah, I had, I had a chance to play through them, and um, on a press edict, Forget. I learned a little bit of a cheat. To automatically win, all you have to do is play on a shitty computer with the resolution <laughs> turned all the way up, and you just stop vomiting in like 30 seconds. <laughs> oh man that's right because it doesn't get rid of the glow-in-the-dark vomit so you probably run out of memory <laughs> yeah so the first playthrough of that i was like okay where's all of um arjuna's vomit like i, I know that was your big credit on that game was your vomit effect and yeah i didn't yep. see it at all and then i like lower the resolution a bit and i could see it and it's all like glowing glory <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I guess the speedrunners who are playing this, I mean, who are listening to this, take notice. That's how you finish it. But yeah, press <laughs> E to forget that. That, I think, is right up with the Doom mod so far for what I'm most known for. Because that got, like, three or four different Let's Plays on YouTube, and mm-hmm. it has about as many views as the threads on Doom World and Z-Doom uh, for my Doom mod. So that 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 was fun to make, too. Um, yep. Yeah. So... Um, yeah. So your other game, I don't even know the name of it. Um, Spodiote Quest 2000. Okay, I saw that written down. And I was like, I don't know if this is the name. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> but yeah, I did one playthrough of that, and I'm pretty sure I actually ended up with the um, character that you wrote for Emily. Was that it? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> the moderate Cthulhu cultist. Yes. Yeah. By the end of that, I was like, Yep, this was definitely Arjuna. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yep. <laughs> without without spoiling it, it was maybe related to the Doom 2 mod. <laughs> maybe you'll have to play it to find out. Yeah. yeah. So um, how how was that working on those? How long did it take you? Um, so I worked on both of those games at once. Um, I basically switched back and forth between projects. Which listeners, you should never do that in a game jam because game jams get hectic by definition. So. 
do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it was fun. Um, it was cool working with Pirates Yo-Ho-Ho, as he's called on Twitter. And, um, you know, I wrote Emily's lines, uh, Emily's events, as they're called in the game, and Ted's events. He's the slightly older uh, Guns N' Roses fan who you uh, can also meet there. Yeah, I think I avoided that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's nice, he's nice. I, I talked to him once, and then, yeah. Yeah, he's nice <laughs> once you get to know him. Um, and I did all of the programming for uh, Spodioti Quest, and I sort of split the programming with Toby for Press E to Forget. But yeah, I, I learned two new engines, two new game engines in two weeks, and... <laughs> Now I'm trying to cool down a little bit because I've had like three different things come out in the past week or two. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Well, it's raining over here on my end, so you might be hearing some rain. I don't know how well my mic will pick it up. Hopefully it doesn't, but we'll see. Um, I think I can just barely hear it in the background, but it's not a big deal on my end, no. Yeah, probably the worst thing is I have three cats behind me, and at any moment they could just like attack me. So, yeah, we'll see how (laughs) that goes. Cool. But um yeah, I played through um Spodioti. Am I was that right? Spodioti Spodioti Quest, Quest. yeah. Yeah. And I was doing horrible at it. Every person I talked to um <laughs> was just like I, I got like negative responses. Like I I guess that's pretty accurate to life. I'm not very good in social situations. <laughs> So I was very surprised at the end when um, I picked Emily and we got married. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure she hated me. <laughs> well, did you drink the Cthulhu wall banging cocktail? Yeah, I did. Hey, that's it. Because if you drink that, you gain um, three points with her automatically. Oh, okay. Yeah, because right. it's like you have that sort of common ground and stuff because you both like Cthulhu-themed cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you, you have some chemistry as... Um, the things are happening that I don't want to spoil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. I wasn't sure um, when I beat it if, like, whoever you picked at the end, you just automatically ended up with them, but I guess not, so. No, uh, there's, like, a whole affinity points system going on in the background based on what choice you pick when you talk to them. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Yep. All right. It's just so... like your dating sim type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So how, how do game jams work? I'm not really, I know, I had never really heard of them until I heard Daniel K play through like five game jam games in like a week (laughs) so first i have to cough all right (laughs) seasonal allergies and Uh, stuff you know mm -hmm. so a game jam uh it's where you try to make a game in a limited amount of time usually anywhere from like ludum dare is a well-known game jam and they i think that happens in a weekend um but there's one game jam i'm thinking of participating in soon that's the last like a whole month um you can do you usually do it solo or with a team um the game jam organizers have like some sort of set of rules most of the time uh they're usually pretty lax because they don't want to constrain people too much in their ideas but Mm -hmm. it all depends on like why they're organizing the jam and what they want to do with it. Um, and, you know, it's... At, you know, game programming can be a really chaotic and kind of unpredictable situation sometimes just because, like, so many different... There are so many different parts to making a computer game that if you're trying to make it in a short amount of time, you can run into all sorts of unforeseen trouble. But, you know, it can be a cool way to, like 
put a demo together for future work or like just explore an idea you've had and see if it turns out cool or what I've found it most useful for is making internet pals and like uh, other game dev contacts. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, and I, I've seen um, let's plays of. Um, I, I watched one of Press E to Forget, and <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty cool that you know there's like a YouTube community that picks up on it. Oh yeah, there's like plenty of YouTubers and streamers who just like follow the new releases feed on itch.io, which is becoming a very popular site for game jams and yeah they just will usually have a look at least at anything that comes out of there yeah mm-hmm. all right cool so i also wanted to talk about your 100 follower spectacular but um yeah we're just gonna do some sizzle here and save that for the end so we can get into the movie talk sure thing all right so what movie are we gonna watch today we are watching Smokey and the bandit it is an old favorite of mine it is I think I described it in when we were DMing about this as a cheesy 80s car chase action flick that just happens to be from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, it stars Burt Reynolds and extremely Drunak Jackie Gleason and Sally Field, who would later go on to play the mom in Mrs. Doubtfire, and I think <laughs> Aunt May in the first two Amazing Spider-Man movies. And... I remember it as being really funny and kind of cool with all the car chase scenes, and I think, although it's been a while since I watched this, we can get to that later, I think it'll be a good pick. All right. Um, so when when did you last watch it? So, hang on. <coughs> I think I saw it before Modest Mouse became popular. <laughs> Is that how we're going to do all of these for now on? Just uh, I may, maybe, band references? Just, yeah, just do it in terms of like different popular 2000s bands or something. Um, so uh, um, let, let's debate on when Modest Mouse became popular, because I feel like <laughs> they became popular sort of twice. There are like, the people that caught on with... Um, uh, I can't remember the name. Of the uh, well, I'll like, on, okay. Okay, so we'll go with that one. Because it was like something like I don't want to say I want to say like Third Rock from the Sun, but that's a TV show, and I feel like it's wrong. But yeah, there was an <laughs> yeah. album or a song that involved planetary orientation, and they 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 got popular then. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking um, they got popular when Good News for People Who Love Bad News came out in 2004. Um, the real answer is I don't really remember the last time I saw it. Um, I think. I know I had this on VHS um, in the 90s growing up, um, and I can actually describe it. Um, so <laughs> I've got to, if you don't mind me going into stuff I've got coming out soon. Uh, sure, go ahead. Okay, so I um, just released a uh, Doom map, which is a recreation of my house in 2001. So I can tell people that if you go through the front door and you take the stairs down into the basement and take two lefts and go into the room with the green shag carpet, across from the microwave and the coffee pot, there's a bunch of shelves behind a peanut-shaped table. That would have had uh, a bunch of video game boxes and VHS tapes if I had had the time to texture it. So there would have been a VHS of Smokey and the Bandit right there. (laughs) (laughs) You should go back in and edit in just that one film. (laughs) Maybe I should, yeah. I could probably just hack something together. Anyway, I know I had it uh, on VHS in the 90s, and I I know this was a a movie that would, like, 
play on like TBS or like one of those cable stations every couple of months or a year or so. So uh, let's say I saw it last sometime between 2000 and 2004. So I've got anywhere between like 14 to 18 years of nostalgia goo over this movie. <laughs> nice. Like it seems like most people have watched movies with they've seen the film recently. So it'd be cool to see if it holds up for you or if it's complete garbage. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, basically everything I know about this movie came from talking to you or from watching season five of Archer. Season five of Archer. Yeah, um, Archer Vice. There's a lot of references to... Um, I never actually finished that season. That's when I fell off Archer, but the episodes I did see, there were lots of references to Smokey and the Bandit. Um, huh. Yeah. Never watched that show, so... Oh, okay. it's, That's it's cool. pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah, if you like that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, all I know about it from Archer is... Um, they played... Uh, someone was singing the song Eastbound and Down in the episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they were like, you stole that from Smokey and the Bandit. Check it out, Lick Bang. Charlene wrote a song about us. What? She didn't write it. That's from Smokey and the... God damn it. <laughs> and um, I think it also had the car, which I'm assuming is the Bandit. Is that right? Uh, yeah, the car. It's a okay. 76 Pontiac Trans Am. Yep. All right. Yeah. All right. So, um... Yeah, so I guess this is the part where I would give a prediction about um, what I think the movie's about, which um, I already know a little bit from what you've said. And mm -hmm. um, the rest, I'm just combining with the episode of Archer I saw that had references to it. So I'm sure it's going to be absolutely incorrect. And it's going to be great since you don't know the episode of Archer. So like, where is <laughs> this, this coming from? Yeah. Yep, this will be fun. <laughs> so I actually didn't know Burt Reynolds was in it, except for Archer and uh, you. So, yeah, so I'm assuming since the car is the bandit, Burt Reynolds is Smokey. <laughs> and, um, yeah, in the episode of Archer, they are smuggling cocaine. So that is what I'm assuming this movie is about. He is on the run from the police with a shitload of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> That that is a very eighties film idea. I'm, I think I'm going to say, um, well, okay. Um, I think I should correct you a little bit, just because there's a little bit of history that is, um, <clears throat> kind of assumed that everybody knew back in the seventies. But you know, here in the late 2010s, I don't think all of our audience members will know this, and it would probably help to go over it, um, just because they did, they didn't grow up back then. Sure. Um. Even did I, I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about Coors Beer for a second. <laughs> All right. In the mid to late 70s, the beer market was not like it is now where you can't walk down the street in any large city and trip over three microbreweries. <laughs> um, but there were only a couple of brands out there, and Coors Beer had a variety called Coors Banquet, which was not made uh, with pasteurization or preservatives. And so getting it anywhere more than a few states outside outside of their brewery in Colorado was kind of tricky unless you could... Uh, by the way, I'm going to stop myself here. So I'm talking about history now, and if I screw it up anywhere, Evan, if you're listening, this is where you can insert your cameo to correct me. <laughs> ding, ding, ding! Arjuna. You got it right. <laughs> I figure fair's fair. <laughs> but I think I'm accurate so far from like, I did some Googling before this because just trying to think about what I was going to say. So mm -hmm. Coors Beer, you, 
Coors Banquet. You could only get it from a few states outside of Colorado, unless you were kind of a beer smuggler type and who could, who would like, you know, uh, be a little flexible with the speed limits and drive it out east of the Mississippi where most people couldn't get it. And there was a write-up in Time Magazine, I think in 75, about an actual guy who did that. He trucked uh, a truckload of beer from Colorado, I guess, to North Carolina and was able to sell it for way more than it would sell in Colorado. And Coors Banquet kind of acquired this sort of cult niche status uh, east of the Mississippi because it was stuff that people couldn't have. Um, to the point where, like, Gerald Ford would stuff Coors Banquet into his luggage on the way back from a presidential trip in Colorado on the way back to D.C., and there's, like, all sorts of stories about that. So, if you're wondering why all of this fuss over a truckload of beer, that's the background to it. Okay, so it's not cocaine, it's beer. It is beer. All right. But yeah. a very niche kind of cult beer. <laughs> it is the cult of beer. All hail the beer. <laughs> it's that cool Cthulhu beer. It's, it's weird that <laughs> my cat is going for keys right now. I had one that was trying to knock the microphone over while you were giving us the history lesson, and now I have one that's trying to steal all of our keys. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it can drive to Colorado and get beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's interesting that it's Coors because uh, it's not... I, I feel like now that's thought of like a lesser beer since of all the craft breweries. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's like there are several aspects of this movie that it's going to be interesting to compare it to how things have changed since the 70s for sure. All right. So um, you ready to go watch it? I am ready to go watch it. He's too young for this hit. And we are back. So I have not experienced the miracle of childbirth, but we have seen Smokey and the Bandit. And you lost power several times? Yes, I lost power twice. Um... I made progress on an on-contour water-harvesting swale, because I do organic farming on the side, but huh. that has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so um, um, do you want to do like a quick breakdown of the movie first, just for yep. anyone who hasn't seen it or hasn't seen it in a while? For sure. Um, so we start off, um, first, I, I'm guessing you saw this on like Netflix Prime or something? Yeah, I watched it on Amazon Prime. So did it start with, like, a Jerry Reed number talking about the bandit and how he's a trucking legend? Yeah. Yep, okay. Um, that was edited out of the TV version of the movie that I saw, or that oh. I remember. So, uh, I, you know, I started, and um, my first note is actually, um, yeah, exhaust pipes on Mars, lol. Because, <laughs> like, it looks in, like, the dawn... Uh, shot at the beginning of the movie like Bandit is on Mars uh-huh. revving up his truck or something like that. Which, what? I didn't know this was a sci-fi thing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's like this Jerry Reed number. Um, Jerry Reed is the country musician who we will see in the film playing the sidekick. Um, and he... Yeah, it's just this number talking about how great a trucker the Bandit is and how awesome he is. And, yeah, this is the 70s and it's a time where trucking is actually glamorous. Um which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then one thing mm-hmm. about the music, I thought it was really cool that 
uh, for the most part, it seems like they recorded all of the songs for this film, like uh, just not reusing tracks like it was an actual, you know, songs recorded for the film. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like the soundtrack is a huge ingredient of this movie. It definitely is exactly right for the kind of ambiance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's too sophisticated a word for this movie. <laughs> it gives it the right fail. <laughs> And I will be slipping in and out of a bad southern accent, I think, for the rest of this podcast. But it's also appropriate, I think, as we'll see. So we clip to a guy getting busted by some, like, state troopers or something because he is bootlegging and trying to move a truckload of cores out to Atlanta, Georgia, east of the Mississippi, which we learn is illegal and circumvents a whole bunch of permits and taxes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and we know that this bet is being put on by some extremely Texan dudes named Big and Little Enos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I wrote down like just like a quick thing to remind myself of the film because in case it took us a while to get back to recording. And I cannot like read Big Enos without thinking Big Anus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking just a little bit in the back. And, you know, that kind of, that's pretty accurate for them. They're yeah. kind of anuses. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the first time they show, um, they show the anuses driving in their car, that you see that the license plate says Mr. Has, Big. And the license plate has bullhorns on it. Yeah, but um, the Mr. Big part stands out for me because one of my cats is named Mr. Big. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, but yeah. He, he's named after the Sex in the City character. My wife named him. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. And I don't think the 80s glam rock band Mr. Big had formed yet. I don't know. <laughs> listening to the podcast, that's your homework. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, uh, they try to find another driver for their bet, and they find, of course... Bo Bandit Darville, who is lion, aka Burt Reynolds, and he is lying in a hammock, and they like walk up to him, and he looks up at them and has this just visceral laugh, and he's like, "Oh, I do like your suits. It must be a bitch to get a size sixty-four extra fat and a size eighteen dwarf." Yeah, so I I do not buy uh, Big Enus and Small Enus being father and son for a second. Right. <laughs> I actually looked up the ages of the actors, and there's like 13 years between them, and okay. then they look nothing alike. So, um, yeah. So Big Enus is big dude, six plus feet, and Small Enus is maybe like five feet. <laughs> so mm-hmm. real small guy. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they pay him a whole bunch of cash to uh, drive us, yeah, to find them to buy like a speedy uh, Trans Am. And he decides to pick up his buddy uh, Cletus Snow, a.k.a. Snowman, played by Jerry Reed, who also performed the music to this movie. Um, And they drive out to Texarkana, Texas, to pick up some beer. Um, And, yeah. Then the rest of the movie is about, like, the first 15 minutes are about the trip, or, like, just explaining what's going on in the trip west to Texarkana. And... Let's see. I think I it's basically to... a music video because <laughs> you just yeah. hear eastbound and down. Well, I guess it was westbound and down when they're going out to Texas. Right. Yep. <laughs> it's like that at first. And then, yeah, the rest, it's not as much. It's a music video with some very long non-musical bits after that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, Snowman also brings his dog Fred along for the trip for some reason. Right. um, (laughs) My wife pointed this out, but uh, Fred's not neutered. So now's the perfect time to remind people that, you know, it's very important to neuter and spay your animals to keep the animal population in control. So, yeah, make sure you do that. But, um, yeah, so I guess the next, like, notable thing that happens is when they run into Carrie. Uh, There's just a woman in the middle of the street in a wedding dress and yeah so um bandit (laughs) almost hits her but he just like stops she jumps in and then they just haul ass (laughs) yep and he says oh i get it we're a bride in search of a wedding no uh we're more like a wedding posse in search of a bride (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and like we think we find out uh well i'll get to how we find out um there's a little bit of conversation between them and some like Band Burt Reynolds' character is kind of a arrogant asshole some of this time, so he's basically being his slick self. Um, yeah, he's got like a but, lot of one-liners back at her. And... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but then we cut back to the just married car, which is getting disassembled by some good old boys who are probably going to sell it for parts, and then Darth Buford shows up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Jackie Gleason's character, Sheriff Buford T. Justice. Yeah, which I, totally sounds like a make, made-up name, but um, I saw some <laughs> trivia on it, and apparently it's actually um, uh, Buford T. Justice it was a cop in Jupiter, Florida, that Burt Reynolds' dad worked with. So, Yeah, I think yeah. Burt is like, given conflicting like stories about this, because I saw an interview with him, I, I don't where he said something like uh, Buford was a guy I played football with. And so whatever it's, it comes from the sauce of Burt Reynolds head. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like his intro music, when we first see the guy, it, it actually sounds a little bit like the empire Imperial March in star Wars, by the way, um, Wikipedia says this movie premiered two days after the first star Wars movie premiered, mm-hmm. which Oh my God! Worst timing ever. Well, actually, um, um, I saw this was the second highest grossing movie next to Star Wars the year it came out. Yeah. So. Because. Right, because like there's a. It held its own, and there's a bonus documentary where they claim that like they first premiered this in New York, but then somebody figured out, wait a minute, this movie was basically made for the South, so let's premiere it there. And then like once they started showing it in the South, it started to take off nationwide. But yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, it was mostly so, filmed in Georgia. Um, I'm actually from Georgia, so... Oh. Yeah, I yeah, didn't uh, recognize anything, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jonesboro, Georgia, specifically, and it turns out I have family over there. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and it's weird, because, like, I know I know them, and they've never said anything about living in the place where Smokey and the Bandit was mostly filmed, <laughs> which is kind of weird. Um, so... Uh, Sheriff Buford T. Justice walks up to the kids uh, disassembling the car, and he kicks one of them in the groin and kicks another one in the Super Arjuna butt, and the one that he doesn't manhandle happens to have a Coors Beer shirt They're on their game with the product placement. Oh, I, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, if you look closely, it's, it's there. Um, and I think we could, like... The thing about Buf- The thing about Jackie Gleason is he mostly steals the show from Burt Reynolds, I think. Like, we could just quote Jackie Gleason lines back and forth with each <laughs> other 
and have a totally entertaining podcast, I think. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think we should, because that doesn't explain it very well. Uh, uh, I don't know if he overshadows Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds is he's very much on his game in this movie, like just being a cool guy. Yeah, I think if Burt Reynolds were not at the top of his game, if this were like a not-as-good actor, uh, he would have stole it. But I, they are... Yeah, they are, uh, yeah, <laughs> they are neck and neck, I think. I don't know. Anyway, um, so he finds out that uh, the bride has been carried off in a black Trans Am with a Georgia plate on it, and the chase is on. Um, <laughs> um what, what are those license plates? Do you remember the Oh, yeah, tag? Band 1, B-A-N-1, and I guess the truck has Band 2, because the yeah, the Trans Am is banned at one, and the truck is banned at two. That's part of the plan that they have. Um, um, one thing about those guys that, like, jump on that car, like, they, like, came out of nowhere, and it happened, like, the minute that she, like, got out of the car and got in the car with Burt Reynolds. Like, they, I just thought that was kind of strange. Like, they just got, like, they swarmed on that car quick. Yeah, I think... waste no time. This is the kind of movie where it's probably best not to dig too deep into the details, because, like, <laughs> there are, yeah, a lot of things that just so happen to work out exactly right. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the car physics don't make sense. Like, people <clears throat> just live through things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> a lot of people live through a lot of crazy stuff in this movie. Yeah. Um, so they get into Arkansas, and uh, Sheriff Buford... Uh, gets in touch with uh, another sheriff in Arkansas to set up a roadblock, and, you know, we're having some car chase scenes, and uh, the Arkansas... One line I remember here is, like, the Arkansas sheriff says, the fact that you... that He's out... That, you know, Buford is out of his jurisdiction, and he Mm -hmm. says, the fact that you are sheriff is not germane to this conversation. The goddamn Germans got nothing to do with it! Um... Yeah, so yeah, that's the kind of humor you can expect from this from this movie. Um, yeah. So there's a bridge jump scene, which is kind of cool. Um, one thing about like the car chasing, I if we can just like briefly get into is this movie as good as I remember it? Sure. Um, the car chase scenes in this movie they seem a little slow paced now compared to when I watched them as a kid, mm-hmm. but that's probably just like a matter of how movies have changed since then, given that like, you know, the fast and the furious series is like this long running established, excuse me, franchise. Yeah. And then have you seen baby driver? I have not seen baby oh, okay. driver. No. The, the chase scenes in that movie are just like, they're so tight, but, um, I don't know. I felt like this movie actually held up pretty well in um, the car driving action, and I was thinking that might be just because the director was a um, a stunt driver. So, oh yeah, yeah. Because the um, Burt Reynolds. Oh, go um, ahead. Uh, later on, there's a short fight scene, and you know that's the very '70s '80s, not very well choreographed, slow, slow fight scenes that you mm-hmm. you know come to expect. Yep. It's not exact. It's, it's Jerry Reed, not Jackie Chan. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, let's see here. Uh, Carrie, AKA frog, who is Sally Fields character. Um, Oh, basically. Uh, 
I'm going to interrupt you for a second. In the first half, when you mentioned that uh, Sally Fields played uh, Aunt May in Spider-Man, I was thinking the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, and I was like, how is oh, this no, adding no. up? And then I realized it was the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, and that made a lot more sense. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I think I said, like, the amazing Spider-Man in the first half, so like, I just wanted to... Yeah, because I remember I didn't want to get that mixed up. So, uh, Bandit... Uh, intends to drop Frog off at the Choke and Puke. <laughs> it's called the Choke and Puke. It's this diner somewhere on the way out along the route. And uh, the ban- so Buford does not know what the Bandit looks like at this point in the movie. Uh, so Bandit is getting a couple of cheeseburgers for Snowman's dog, Fred. Uh, and Buford walks in. And uh, they basically have this like awesome back and forth and Buford orders a Diablo sandwich and a Dr. Pepper and make it quick. Cause I'm in a goddamn hurry. Now I remember thinking about preparing for this podcast and like what I wanted to have as a sort of a bit. So get ready for some ASMR uh, pop can opening. <laughs> so I'm, just before we recorded, I made a point to make myself what I think is a Diablo sandwich and a Dr. Peppa in a goddamn hurry. So what'd you make for a Diablo sandwich? Well, this is a matter of great debate on the internet. <laughs> uh, people have gone over the HD Blu-ray version of this movie and tried to reconstruct the Diablo sandwich over the decades and... Like, some people for a while have thought that it's some kind of sloppy joe with some corn and onions on top of it, some hot sauce. Mm-hmm. But if you take a close look at Jackie Gleason's mouth and at the sandwich, you'll notice that whatever kind of meat he's got here, it's, like, very stringy. So, and also, um, this was filmed at, I think it's called, like, the Old Smoky House. It's a chain of restaurants in the South. Um, the one they filmed it at isn't open anymore, but there are still a few of them open around the South. Uh, so it looks like it's some kind of pulled pork or pulled beef sandwich. So I made myself a pulled pork sandwich, uh, with like some mixed up barbecue sauce and hot sauce. So this is basically the closest thing I can get. So I'll just have a little bite here. You can take over for a sec. Mm. So, um, one thing I wanted to mention about, um, Carrie is, um, she does not know how to sit in a car. (laughs) <laughs> like uh-huh. every second that like she was in the car, like she's just in like this weird position, like when she's worried that they're going to get in a wreck. And I'm just like, Oh my God, she's going to die. Like um, <laughs> she could not get in a worse position. Also, there were not seatbelts in that car. I don't think I saw a seatbelt in the entire movie. Um, I know I, I was looking into it a little bit. Uh, there weren't really airbags at the time. Mm-hmm. There's like one car in the movie that I believe was a cop car that was like one of the first cars to get airbags. So no airbags at the time, but I assume they had seatbelts. I don't really know when seatbelts came about. Yeah, but... that's that's one of the things I hadn't think, thought about now where it's like if you tried to meme it, remake this movie in the present day, that is definitely something you would want to you would have different uh, going on. Yeah. Um, let's see. So. uh the bandit runs out of the diner after Buford goes to take a leak and uh, frog just sort of zooms up and like picks him up and they go driving off again um, because she wanted to stay with him and she didn't, what was it? She 
isn't very good at taking rejections. <laughs> so, okay. But she's oddly good at driving. Like, she held her yeah. own when she got behind the wheel with no explanation. <laughs> yep. This is just, she just magically gets good at it again. Yeah. It's best not to think about this movie too closely. Um, let's see here. Um, yeah. And basically the, what I wrote down in my like short recap, I got other notes, but the movie from like beginning to end is just like, you know, different combinations of basically the same scene. Uh, there's the same four or five different scenes. And what did I write? Here we go. It's like some version or another of a car chase scene, um, Bandit getting helped or tricked by other CB radio users along the way to Georgia, uh, some sort of chemistry building scene between Bandit and Frog, and according to Wikipedia, uh, Burt Reynolds and Sally Field actually became an item during the filming of the movie. So, yeah, I saw that. I saw he like specifically picked her for the role because he had saw her on something else and liked her. Yeah, I, I guess she was the flying know. nun, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, yep. And yeah, then they worked on like several other projects after this together mm-hmm. and dated. Including, yeah. Yep, including the sequel to this movie. Yeah. Um, I didn't know there were sequels to this movie. So are there just there's three? Movies? I think there's two. Yeah, there's three movies. Uh, I've seen both of the sequels. Um. And, like, Smokey and the Bandit 2 is basically the same movie, except instead of moving beer, they're moving an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping that they were uh, they were going to be looking for clam chowder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, oh. Yep. Uh, and I think the third movie, it doesn't have Burt Reynolds. It does star Jerry Reed. And I think it does have Jackie Gleason. And, huh. yeah. Uh, it's I interesting the- to bring Jackie Gleason back. I feel like he should have gotten arrested <laughs> after this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. By the way, I wanted to make sure there's at least some belching, because I remember you said on Twitter that um, you're, we're encouraged to fart on podcasts. So <laughs> um, to- hmm? Yeah. Funnily enough, like I I don't remember if it was before we recorded last time or after, but... I think I think it was just before I was like setting everything up and doing some practice test, and I just burped in one. It was it was a nice good burp, and I was like, I can use this later. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, that, this Dr Pepper can is only like two thirds full, so there should be some time and space for more belching. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, there's a subplot where Snowman goes to a diner on the way there, and he gets beat up by some biker dudes, but he manages to get revenge on them by running over their bikes. Um, there's like Jackie Gleason's one-liners, which are all like ridiculous and awesome and hilarious. Uh, and they get to, they get to Georgia with like 10 minutes to spare. They make a new bet with Big and Lil Enos for double or nothing. And yeah, they go trying to go to Boston and back in 18 hours, uh, to get some clam chowder. The end. Yeah. So um, when they are getting to uh, where big anus and small anus are, <laughs> uh, when they're getting there, um, they have the like Georgia State Patrol chasing them, but they just like barely beat them there and drop the truck there. And I'm, I don't know. I still feel like the cops would have confiscated all of that course. So, yeah, they probably would. have. Although maybe like 
out of the shot, we're supposed to imagine a bunch of people like frantically running up to a truck and unloading cores. Like that's, yeah. it almost feels like a stampede type of situation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like they don't like blockade the entire fairgrounds. So the bandit can't get out it. And, yeah. yeah. And also, so the, uh, so the whole deal with the cores is it's unfiltered. So it has to be refrigerated. Mm-hmm. Um, where they pick it up from, it's like in a storage unit and doesn't appear to be like refrigerated. They don't transport it in a refrigerated truck. Like these guys just paid $80,000 for beer that is probably going to hurt them. <laughs> yep. It, yeah. I, I, had, I had not thought of that, but that is totally true. Yep. Yep. And I actually did some math just for fun, just to see um, <laughs> how much they were paying per, um, I assume it's bottles, but maybe it's cans. But um, so they were paying uh, Bandit $80,000 for 400 cases of cores. And uh, if you zoom in on the boxes of cores, it says it has uh, four six-packs per case. So mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Did I write down the figure for what that was? It'll be some it? fun math. Yeah. Math is always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that's like $200 a case. Which works out to be eight dollars and thirty three cents a bottle, and that's in nineteen seventy seven money. You want to take a right. guess at what that is in today's money? Oh man, um, probably something like fifteen or sixteen bucks. I'm guessing uh, thirty five dollars. Hot damn! Yeah, so that's some like expensive ass craft beer. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like. First, they are like crazy. Uh, clearly, big and little anus are either crazy rich or just plain crazy. And yeah, they're just doing it to show off. Yeah. <laughs> okay then. Uh, <laughs> and what do you think the deal with the clam chowder is? Um, do you think clam chowder was illegal in Georgia at the time, or they just really <laughs> wanted clam chowder from Boston? I I I have no idea. I guess they're. This is just sort of a well. Okay. The story about this is that Hal Needham wrote the script, mm-hmm. and he it basically got made because he was Burt Reynolds' roommate. And, like, the dialogue supposedly was terrible, so they mostly ad-libbed most of the dialogue in the movie. So I'll bet you this was just something that the actor made up on the spot, and they just rolled with it. <laughs> <laughs> we just need something to set up the sequel, so yeah. we'll do that. Yeah, it's too bad they didn't do that in the sequel. Yeah, although I, my experience with Boston Trap with Boston is that if they actually tried to film this and they tried to make it in any way realistic, there would have been like twenty minutes of them just getting stuck in traffic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and well, it would have ended with them getting like arrested in the tunnel or something. <laughs> yeah, well, they were supposed to be in Atlanta for like the last part of the movie. And yep. they would have gotten stuck in traffic, and they did not. Um, I think the last part of the movie I read was filmed in Helen, Georgia, which uh, there's a lot of mountains there. It's not very populated. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, this podcast is not about smoking the bandit, too, but, I mean, <laughs> it works, like, the whole smuggling elephant premise, sort of. Um, and I'm I'm really curious to see the sequel just because I want to see why they're smuggling an elephant. 
<laughs> I don't remember why they're smuggling an elephant, to be honest with you. I don't know are the, if... Are the anuses involved? I, I, I'm trying to remember if the anuses are involved. I don't think they are. Yeah, I, I actually uh, have two things that I think about um, when I thought about when I was watching this. One is, I guess because I'm a game developer, like, what would a video game adaptation of this have looked like especially since, like, the Atari 2600 came out a few months after this movie premiered, mm-hmm. and there was enough of an arcade scene that, you know, it would have been probably a little a bit of a stretch to think about making a video game based on a movie back then, but it could have happened. Um, um, yeah, hmm? when, did, when did E.T. come out? Because I know there was a horrible video game for that. Right, uh, E.T. came out in 1983. So okay. this is, like, way after that. Um, in the late 70s, it was still, like, the, you know, crazy heyday of, like, Quaker Oats is even making a video game, or Kool-Aid is making a video game. <laughs> um, I think, like, the year before this movie came out, there was a game that Sega released, and it was in arcades, and it was called Motocross in Japan, but, and I'm not making this up, they renamed it Fonz when they brought it to the U.S. to try to cash in on Happy Days. Nice. <laughs> uh, and I think to cash in on the episode of Happy Days where Fonzie jumps over like 13 barrels on a motorcycle or something. <laughs> uh, and it's like a super primitive version of like those 90s games where it's like pseudo 3D and you're driving down a road and it sort of curves on you, like Outrun, Road Rash, and stuff like yeah. that. And I was thinking like, it would have been, like, super technically advanced for 1977. And you probably would have needed some of the best programmers out there at the time to do it. But you could have probably made a sort of car chase type game where the roads sort of split off and you have some, like, very primitive stuff about, like, trying to evade roadblocks or sheriff cars chasing after you. Mm-hmm. But you could have made a Smokey and the Bandit arcade game back then, and I think yeah. it would have done pretty well. I think you could have done something like, um, was it Spy versus Spy? Is that the one with the cars? I don't know Spy if you know versus, yeah, yeah, where it's like top down and like there's yeah. a car that comes out of a truck. Hey, there we go. Yeah, um, I feel like you could have done something similar to that game, like something in that game engine. A little bit, although I think in Spy versus Spy, there's like guns that come out of the car and you can shoot at each other, which yeah. it would just not have fit with the spirit of the movie if you did something like that. But yeah. Yeah, I was really surprised there were no guns in this movie. Like, I figured the cops would be shooting at them or something, but nope. No, I think, um, so I had this on Blu-ray, or I bought this and got it on Blu-ray, and it's like the 40th anniversary edition, so it's got all these behind-the-scenes stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things on it is an interview with Hal Needham where he's talking about, like, why he thinks this would this made it for a good movie, and he says, I think my comedy is at least okay, and I'm a stuntman, so I'm good at action. And I think people like comedy and they like action. Not violence, but action. Yeah. And so I'm thinking about that distinction. And yeah, it's like there isn't a whole lot of shooting. There's like just one bar fight, but it's kind of this lighthearted chase scene type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, since you brought up the video game, I was thinking um, someone should make a mod for Euro Truck Simulator. <laughs> you should patient. make... The mod. <laughs> you make video <laughs> games. You can figure it out. <laughs> yup, and Daniel K should play it. Totally. <laughs> yup, where, yep, you are 
driving a Trans Am and or a semi truck. Yeah. Full gear. Uh, from Texarkana, Texas to Atlanta. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, that would be a hell of a 3D environment job to model, like, the routes between those two cities, even for, like, something as constrained as Euro Truck Simulator. Yeah. Well, um, you could... Just on highways, but yeah. Yeah, you could just leave it in Europe and you don't have to, you know, change <laughs> anything. Just, um... I don't really know what you would make different. I guess cops could chase you. And, yep. yeah. You could reskin a couple of cars and yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. All all of the cars in the movie are Bandit One. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or like, yeah. what, what were some of those other call, uh, handles? Like Grave Robber, Foxy Lady, Little um, Beaver. Little Beaver, I remember that yep. one. Like yeah. the only female truck driver was Little Beaver, of course. Of course, <laughs> and we're letting you in through our back door or yeah. something like. It's like okay, and then there was a <laughs> Wicked Witch of the East was one. Wicked Witch of the North. Of the North, okay, that was like an old lady, wasn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. And she like drove under like a semi trailer. <laughs> lady, don't you know you're supposed to signal? Huh. Oh, am I? <laughs> All right. So, um, what were some of your favorite scenes of the movie? Oh my god, I have to pick some. Yeah. Um, I have the one. Uh, with the line that I was thinking of quoting at the end of the scene. I don't know if we want to get to that one just yet. Um, but, like, I guess my favorite is probably the Diablo sandwich scene. I guess. Um, um, just... I saw that entire scene wasn't in the original script. That was Jackie Gleason's idea. Yeah, and that's probably why it's my favorite scene, just because, like, they can... the. The actors are so talented, they can come up with some really great stuff just, like, off the top of their head. Mm -hmm. um, man, it's like, it just turns into, I have to pick, like, one of the crazy ad-lib scenes from Jackie Gleason, and I don't think I can pick one, to be All honest right. with you. How about um, you? Yeah, you want to think about it for a second? I'll tell you mine. Sure. All right. So, um, mine would have to be picking from one of the crashes. Which, in this film, I feel like the cops were their own worst enemies. Like, 99% <laughs> of the crashes in the movie were caused by um, Buford T. Justice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, well, this isn't even related to the scene, but it just popped in my head. I love how his car gets destroyed throughout the course of the movie. And at one point, like, the top gets ripped off of it, and he's driving it, and it's basically a convertible, and it's missing, like, his the driver's side door. <laughs> yeah. It just keeps going. Um, but my favorite scene of the movie, it was a short one near the end where they're running from the cops in Georgia and one cop ends up in the back of a semi, like on the trailer. Oh yeah. And he's perfectly yeah. fine and he's really calm about it. And he just says, Hey son, think you could drop me off at the next exit? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it is, uh, the one that I'm going to quote later on. So, um, Basically, it's the one where the guy um, sort of drives. They're in Alabama, and I think Buford is pulling up after the bandit has had this car chase scene with some Alabama state troopers. And um, this other truck comes by and just takes off the driver's side door of the car. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> yeah, Buford is like, put the evidence in the car, Junior. Put that in. And put the evidence in the car. <laughs> and I saw you do that on purpose, you son bitch. 
And then the line I'm going to quote, I just, I, I want to save it for the end of this podcast. Okay. <laughs> you can save it. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. For um, sure. Yeah, I was thinking of a scene. And I lost, oh, no, I was just thinking, we didn't really talk about Junior. Um, he doesn't really do much, but, I mean, he's sort of a big character for the plot of the movie since he was supposed to marry Carrie. I suppose. Right, Junior. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Junior. Um, he has almost no lines. Um, he's clearly not exactly the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah, he doesn't um, really seem to care that Carrie ran out on their wedding at all. He's right. just along for the ride. Yep. I think and... he's just basically there so um, Sheriff T. Buford, no, Buford T. Justice isn't talking to himself. So it makes him a slightly <laughs> less psychotic. He's very psychotic, though. He's very psychotic. He's racist. He's sexist. He's homophobic at yeah. times. He lots is, of misogyny like, in this movie. Oh, lots of misogyny. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, tru- it's truck drivers in the seventies. You kind of expect it, for sure. I feel like yep. even truck drivers now are mostly characterized that way. So, right. Um, if there are any truck drivers listening to the to this podcast, God bless you. You're awesome. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's true. And keep your eyes on the road. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so you wanted to ask something about, I guess, my 100-follower special coming up? Um, well, first of all, are there any parts oh, yeah. of the movie that you um, didn't like, that didn't hold up for you? I know you said the oh, yeah. car yeah. driving wasn't quite as tight as you remember, just compared to movies these days. Right. Um, so, yeah, like the car chase scenes, they do seem a little bit more slow-paced than like I remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, the jokes, like, there's one or two things, like, the joke about, ugh, excuse me, why am I holding my hand over my mouth to quiet down the burping? I should be belching right now. <laughs> yes, and indulge yourself. Yes. Um, like, the joke about a cop taking a leak on the side of the road, and it's a 10-100, oh, better than a 10-200, and they go yeah. back and forth for that. I'm kind of like, Ah, ha, 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 yeah, that was probably more funny in the 70s. Yeah, um, I didn't think that was funny until they did the callback to it later on. I can't remember the context, but they do a callback to it, and I thought it was funny that time. <laughs> is that when they're in the gas station, and, like, Frog says she needs to take a 10-100, and he says crawl under? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> um... Other than that, yeah, I was kind of going into this thinking that... Okay, I saw this when I was, like, what, 12, 13? I am older than that now, and I'm like, eh, this isn't going to be that funny, is it? No, no, it actually is as funny as I thought it would be, so I'm, I'm very glad I saw this again. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for me, um, I don't know. I I really didn't... I, I like the movie a lot, but I didn't think... Uh, I thought Buford T. Justice was kind of annoying in most of his scenes. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, he's supposed to be obnoxious, and he was pretty obnoxious. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, that was the only thing for me. Um, I thought it was funny, and, yeah, I thought actually thought the car driving held up pretty well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean... It's still, it's still good, even if it seems a little bit slow compared to modern movies, that's for sure. Yeah, like, if it came out today, it wouldn't be interesting or impressive, but, yeah, for the time, I'm sure it was great. And, um, <laughs> yeah. It probably would have gotten some praise from, like, film hipsters who are all about, like, this is CGI and makes it look unreal. Like, the fact that this is done with cars and yeah. there's, like, no computer-generated stuff because the tech didn't exist back then. Like, I think 
it does have something going for it in terms of the field department for that. Mm-hmm. And like, yep. there's one scene where they jump a bridge and they actually jump that bridge and then the car stopped working immediately after that. But right. It was wrecked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A moment of silence for the cars wrecked during Smokey and the bandit. Apparently they only used um, three cars for the bandit and none of them worked afterwards, but you know, like three cars did all those stunts. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is impressive for sure. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I think that's everything I have to talk about the movie. If you want to uh, talk about your 100 followers special. Yeah. So um, if this is like the section where we can plug stuff, yeah, yep. I think, um, but this is going to be like a month or two in the future. Well, I might as well just run through it. So I've had a whole bunch of things coming out in the month of June. Um, I have a text adventure called Spodiote Quest 2000. Uh, it's a dating sim where you can date, among other people, a moderate Cthulhu cultist. Um, I have a walking sim slash vomit simulator called Press E to Forget, uh, which has glow-in-the-dark vomit. Lots of glow-in-the-dark vomit. <laughs> uh, to make sure uh, you put your settings on correctly? Or you yes. don't get very much glow-in-the-dark vomit? Yeah, if you're not on a like gaming PC, you definitely want to turn down the settings on that. It's triple... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> not triple A, but triple P. Uh, uh, um, I have a Doom map coming out, uh, which was sort of a... It was made for a mapping jam for the one-year anniversary of J.P. LeBreton's Wad Wednesday livestream, where he plays do- random Doom levels. Uh, it's a recreation of my house circa 2001, and the version that will be uploaded to Doom World after this podcast is finished recording will have some kind of Smokey and the Bandit reference in it. I want to make <laughs> sure of that. Nice. Um, yep. Um, I... Folks in the future will know whether I've committed to participating in a game jam that's uh, done with some universities out of Cardiff, which is a climate change themed game jam. Oh, so that's I'm, interesting. Yeah, I might be making a real time strategy like your Starcraft or Civilization type of game about the effects of climate change. So that'll be cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, if you make that, definitely let me know. For sure. Um, I've got an HP Lovecraft-themed Doom 2 mod called The Rending of Sayataqua. Um, it's just one map for now. It's going to be as many more maps as I feel like uh, making. Probably um, map 2. Hmm? Uh, is, is map 2 the one that has the marijuana clinic in it? Is that yes, what you've been making that for? Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, it has a recreational marijuana storefront called Eldritch Product. <laughs> um, yep, so map 2... It might be out by the time this thing goes up. Um, and as, like, this has basically been public because JP played my Doom map, and so I can talk about it now. I do have a first-person stealth game in the works called Lely and Majnun. Um, it's a modern retelling of a very old story um, that's been told multiple times, including a movie that is in the spreadsheet for this podcast. 
So uh, maybe sometime we, if if you have me on again, maybe we can talk about Leila Majnu. Yeah, totally. Which is a cool Hollywood movie. Yep. Uh, I think that's all the things I'm doing right now, all right. which is a lot. <laughs> but yeah, I think we can put the links for this like in the description, right? So yeah, totally, we can do that. Yep, for sure. And um, oh, and yeah, of course, I've got um, uh, a pod walking sim, is what I'm calling it. It's like a playable podcast coming up um, involving toilets. Involving toilets. Um, <clears throat> so uh, yeah. Nina Freeman is this professional level designer who's like live streams I've been hanging out in. And what she's done is she's gray boxed different places she's lived and live streamed it. So I am kind of playing around with that idea and deciding that, you know, as a thank you to all the people who have followed me on Twitter and, you know, breaking 100 followers, I am going to gray box um, a bunch of different college dorms that I've lived in over the years, well, the interesting parts of them, and record a podcast while I do it. So, uh, it's kind of like a walking sim and a podcast at the same time. And like, as you're listening to the podcast, you can like see all these weird objects that are around there and like things on the walls and stuff. And like, Oh, what's that? And you can listen to the podcast and get in on the joke. Um, and yes, the, the objects in the game that will play the podcast audio as you're walking around, I've decided will be toilets. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you should call it like a potty cast or something since a potty cast, a potty cast yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to hear like an even more in-depth description of that, you can listen to our sister podcast, Thoughts from the Car, where Evan read your letter, which was like a very deep dive on your thoughts for that. Hi, I'm Evan, and I sure enjoy me some podcasts. Wow, this podcast sure is enjoyable, but sometimes... Life has a little bit more pegged on for you than what you thought. Oh man, is that a missile? Uh, I'm okay? Thoughtscast, part of the We Can Make This Work Probably podcast network. Yeah, well, it's just, he's done this a hell of a lot more than I have, so I wanted his thoughts on it, but I think he did an excellent job, like, going over that and talking about it. It was cool. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think that's episode 18 of Thoughts from the Car, for those of you looking for it on SoundCloud. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the most recent one right now, but there'll probably be more out by the time this yep. releases. Yep, the title is Arjuna Has 100 Followers, and he does. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Um, so, all you have left to plug, I think, is your Twitter yeah, oh yeah, uh, I am at Super Arjuna Butt on Twitter and Instagram, and I think those are my two big social media presences. Um, yeah, and if you want, uh, check out uh, some of the twi Twitch streamers I follow. So twitch.tv slash JP LeBreton. He's got a weekly uh, stream where he plays random Doom levels. You'll probably find me in the chat. Uh, I don't know why I'm plugging these people but hey they're cool <laughs> go for it <laughs> yeah and uh nina freeman she is hentai phd yes i don't know if she has hentai. an actual phd oh. in japanese porn cartoons but <laughs> hey you go girl uh twitch.tv hentai phd uh on twitch and that's also her twitter handle and jp's twitter handle is vector poem so yeah check them out they're cool all right cool and, and um, check out the rest of the we can make this work probably network you guys are all cool too yeah that's uh at probably work on Twitter, and um, you can follow this podcast at Too Young for This Hit on Twitter, where two and four 
are numbers because I ran out of letters. Like, you can have only so many characters. But, all right, you got your sign-off phrase ready? Yep, I want to back up for this because it's best probably if I scream it at the top of my lungs. (laughs) Okay, hang on. All right, you go first. I'm going to barbecue your ass in molasses! (laughs) Uh, listeners. Okay, did I blow out the waveform or something? No, it sounded great. <laughs> awesome. All right, and uh, here's mine. Listeners, do the letters F-O mean anything to you? 